0: So let me start off by answering three reasons why we should study heaven. Why study heaven? And My first point and my first reason is this. Our misconceptions affect how we live. Our misconceptions affect how we live. Since we have this not a clear picture or understanding of what heaven is like, it affects how we live today. Some of these misconceptions are this. And correct me if I'm wrong. One of them is that... Heaven is something only that we can imagine. Mercy me sings about it. I can only imagine. And yes, some things are not crystal clear, but some things are. But we have a misconception that, that heaven should be a mystery. You shouldn't know about heaven. And that's not what God says. God has given us a beautiful picture of what awaits us. That's one misconception. Another misconception is that things that we make up in our mind or that we see in in movies or books we read or what other tells us, some people believe that we become angels or that angels are just fat and they're floating around in clouds playing harps or that maybe we don't see each other's feet in heaven because there's fog everywhere. Those are misconceptions that are not true. Another misconception, and it might be true that there's, yes, absolutely, there's going to be worship. But the misconception that a lot of us have is that we're just going to be worshiping and worshiping and singing and worshiping, opening up a hymns book and reading and worshiping and worshiping and worshiping, we close a hymn book, open it up again and worship and worship. Don't get me wrong. I I can't wait to that day. And there is going to be singing and worshiping. It shows us. It clearly tells us in his word. But honestly, worshiping for eternity? I mean... 10 minutes of having my hands up, my arms get a little tired, you know? A long church service for eternity? Kind of boring. Again, I'm excited about heaven, but our misconception gives us a wrong picture of what heaven is really like. And most of us think, eh, boring. I'd rather not. If you ask somebody, are you excited about Christ's return? Most of us, including myself, will say, yeah. I can't wait till Jesus returns. When, God, when? But can you return after my kids grow up and get married? Can you come, Jesus, after I go to Hawaii? I've never been to Hawaii. I've got a bucket list. Let me go through some of my bucket list stuff and then you can return. See, we want mentally be in heaven for Christ's return. But really our heart is not in it because of the misconceptions, because we don't see a a clear picture of what heaven awaits us, what is for us to come. Now, some of you, if not maybe most of you, are saying, Jesus, I want you to return, but let the Cowboys win the Super Bowl first. Let me tell you right now that Jesus will return before the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Just <laughs> letting you know straight up, so don't wait for that. What I'm trying to say is these misconceptions make us not live for eternity what is there to look forward to really and because of these misconceptions we live for the now I want things now I live for today not for tomorrow and again I think because of these misconceptions there's a lot of not a sermons taught on it as a matter of fact Randy Alcorn proves this, and I checked it myself. I'm in, currently in seminary right now, and I looked for classes on heaven. Specific classes on heaven. I couldn't find one. Now there's a lot of classes on eschatology. There's a lot of classes of what's to come. We're all going to be redeemed. All creation is redeemed to the Creator Jesus Christ. We know that. But particular details on heaven, what is heaven like, or particular details on what it's going to be like? questions answered like I mentioned, are we going to eat? Are we going to be married? Things like that. There's not one. And I think it is because of our lack of knowledge, because of our lack of properly teaching, these misconceptions are all over us, all around us. And you know what? Satan would rather have it that way. Satan is so happy that the fact that we don't study heaven enough, Satan loves the fact that we're living for the now. Satan loves the fact that most of us think that heaven is going to be a little boring. As a matter of fact, when we were preparing, when I was preparing for this sermon, going through my notes and just getting ready, I thought to myself, man, this is difficult. What if I teach something that is not true about heaven? I'm misleading people. And then really at that moment... Pastor Adrian walked into my office. Him and I are going to be doing this series on heaven. And he was like, dude, what do we get into, man? Can we change the series? Let's think of something else. And literally three weeks ago we thought maybe we can. Let's back out. Let's teach on, I don't know, Jesus loves me. That's pretty easy and simple, straightforward. And he walks out of of my office and I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. This is exactly what the enemy wants. That's one of my points and my notes. Satan doesn't want us to teach on the real heaven and what it's like. So I march into uh, Adrian's office and I said, hey, man, we're going forward. And I tell him why I think so. He goes, you're right. So we dug our heels and, again, we're hope that this series uh, shines light on the true heaven. That we can long for that eternity that is so much better than the best day here on earth it's gonna be awesome second point why we should study heaven or second reason I'm sorry we are commanded to do so it is a command we are commanded to do so Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 says this if then you have been raised with Christ in other words if you put your trust in Jesus Christ seek the things that are above where Christ is above Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. Seek for things that are in heaven, not these temporal things that are here on earth. Get your mind straight. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It is a command. He's saying, guys, don't seek on these temporal things. Don't long for this that you call life that is gone like this. Long for me. Long for eternity. As a matter of fact, that phrase, those three words, set your minds. In Greek, you pronounce that setel. Setel, which is an ongoing command. Continually set your minds. It is a command because he knows it's hard. But we are to strive for that, work on that, to just strive for heavenly things and not earthly things the final reason and my third reason for why we should study heaven a clear view of heaven changes how we live today a clear view of heaven changes how we live today like i said if we understand that what awaits for us is so much different that we think is great here now in other words if we want to live for heaven and not live for today for the now it'll just change the how we live we would have something to look forward to if we truly believe that we really got a clear picture of what heaven's like if we truly believe that one day we're gonna be reunited with family members and loved ones that have trusted Christ and that are now with him in heaven if we truly believe that this illness we have now it'll be gone away if we truly believe that any trials or financial crisis or anything that's going through, that we're going through now will be a thing of the past, if we really believe in that, it'll change the way we live today. And God has given us a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. You can look all around you. You can look at a sunset. look at a sunrise, look at his creation. Look at a child the birth of a child. I always just get this great feeling when I hear a little boy, little girl laugh. Just the peace, the innocence. That's what heaven's going to be like times a million. If we truly believe that, it will definitely change how we live our lives today. And again, that is our prayer, that is our hope. That we start longing for what's to come. That we start living in that fashion in that matter so like I said I'm not gonna get into much detail but let's get into a little bit of heaven uh, the theology of heaven uh, again I want you guys to leave here with more questions but at least get you thinking on this topic so before I get started heaven in the Bible is mentioned in three ways there's the first heaven which you consider the clouds, the sky, that's the first heaven. And then you have what's called the second heaven, and that's the cosmos, the stars, the planet, the moon, the sun, the galaxies. And then there's the third heaven that the Bible mentions. And the third heaven is God's abode, where God manifests himself the most. Now, God is omnipresence. He's everywhere at all times. But as we will see is heaven is mentioned where God primarily is. His tabernacle. That is what we're going to be talking about. The third heaven. Let me give you just a big picture without getting into much details of some of the promises of heaven. You can write these down on your notes. I didn't write them down for you. But just some quick um, promises of heaven. First of all, heaven is a real place. And there's tons of verses. I'm just going to give you a couple of them where it shows this. But it's it's a real place place. And we're going to get into details of what that place is like. Both the intermediate heaven and the new earth and the new heaven. But look at John 14 verses 1 through 4. We uh, went over a little bit in communion this morning. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And there's where he says, in my father's house are many rooms. It's a place. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know that the, way, that the way to where I am going, it is a place. And again, we see a lot of these verses throughout scripture. Promise number two of heaven. The father is there and Jesus is at his right hand. We see that God is there and Christ is at his right hand. Ephesians 1.20 says this, that he worked in Christ when he was raised him from the dead, speaking about Jesus, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So God is there. We know that Christ is at his right hand, and there's tons of verses to talk about this. Hebrew says this. Revelation shows us. Um, Acts 7, if you recall, uh, Stephen, before he's martyred, he says that he looked up into heaven, and, and the heavens opened up, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus at his right hand. It is a place... Where Jesus is with God. Another promise of heaven, believers are there. All believers through all time are in heaven. Hebrews 12, verses 22 to thir- 23 says this, but you have come to my- Mount Sion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem we're going to get into that later on and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering so there's angels and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven believers all those that have put their trust in Christ are in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect our names are recorded there Luke 10 verse 20 says this nevertheless do not rejoice in this in other words here, this temporary life, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Isn't that an awesome promise? Knowing that since the beginning of time, that God had predestined that our names are in heaven, that we would spend eternity with him. Just knowing that should just change the way we live today. Our names are written in heaven. Our citizenship is there. Philippians, Chapter 3, verse 20 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout scripture it tells us that we are just sojourners in this life, in this earth. We're just passing by. This is not our home. Let's not make it our home. Let's make our home in eternity where our citizenship is. Rewards are given in heaven. We had a whole series on eternal rewards. We talked about how we should be living for those eternal rewards and not the temporal rewards here on earth. It's a better place than the best of earth. Better than anything you can imagine. Revelation 22, sin, death, and sorrow are absent. There's will be no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow. Um, adventure, work, fellowship, and so much more awaits us. All this we're going to be covering in this series. Those are all the promises God says. I promise, and it is gonna happen. Let me give you a big picture of, of heaven, uh, like kind of like a historical uh, picture of heaven. Like I said, heaven is where God abodes, where He tabernacles. And in Genesis one, and chapters one and chapters two, we get uh, we get taught. We they tell us God tells us that He creates this paradise. garden and he makes man and woman and they're perfect, sinless. Everything is great. They're fellowshipping with God. Everything is awesome. They're laboring. Everything is great. And then in Genesis 3, sin enters this world and this huge gap between man and God occurs because of sin. So from Genesis 3 through Revelation 20, we've got this gap. So the Garden of Eden, Genesis 1 is the past heaven, what it was like. Genesis 3 to Revelation 20 is we have the present heaven, what it's like now. So from the cross to Genesis 1, you can think that's the Old Testament. Then from the cross all the way to Revelation 20 to the eternity, new heaven and new earth, that's the New Testament. The period between, like I said, Genesis 3 and Revelation 20, that is the intermediate heaven. And yes, we do have a different heaven, the Old Testament heaven. the Bible mentions Abraham's side, his bosom. We're not going to get into that. We're going to get into more detail week three of the intermediate heaven. From When Christ died on the cross, when he said, it is done. When he said, today you will be with me in paradise until he comes back. That is what the intermediate heaven is like. And then we have the, the eternity, the new heaven and the new earth. We'll be spending the rest of our lives with him. In between that time, we've got the rapture, uh, then we have Christ's return where we we'll have a thousand year reign. We're going to go over that, the thousand years where Christ here on earth is going to bound Satan for a thousand years. and It will be reigning here on earth. Then we'll have the final judgment where we're all going to be judged. The white throne of Christ for the non-believers, the Bema seat, the mercy seat for the believers. We're going to get into much more detail than that. But that is the big picture Of heaven the the big scope of how it's like now and what it was then and how it will be so let me give you a glimpse of what I think heaven is like now and what it's gonna be like so imagine your life right now a car okay you're a car your life is a car and during this life with your car your car is gonna get older And as your car gets older, you're gonna have to have more repairs. We're gonna have to have more repairs. Our body gets older. You're gonna have to change the oil in the car. You're gonna have flat tires. And eventually that car is not gonna be able to go anymore. It's gonna die. In the new earth, in the new heaven, we're gonna get a car, a brand new car, better than any car you can ever imagine. And this brand new car is never gonna get old. Never gonna have to change the tires, never gonna get a flat. Never gonna have to transmission change or an oil change. It's gonna be perfect, beautiful car for eternity. Brand spanking new. But when we get to the new earth and new heaven and God gives us the keys to this new car, we're not gonna say, wait, wait, what's this? We're gonna recognize it's a car because why? We had a car here. Does that make sense? We're not gonna get in the car and say, what do you do? Is this a gas? Is this a brake? How, How do you drive this thing? We're going to know because we were driving a car here. It's Just a glimpse of what's to come. Just giving you a picture. So a lot of the questions like what's it going to be like? It's going to be like it is here but in a new car. Stay tuned. (laughs) Three things that I believe that when we get an accurate view of heaven, it provides. Three things. First thing. An accurate view of heaven provides a perspective in times of trouble. An accurate view of heaven provides a perspective in times of trouble. Again, John 14, verses one through four. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Like we mentioned in communion before this, Jesus was with his, with his apostles and Jesus knew What he was going to go through. He knew what his apostles were going to go through. Every single one of his apostles were martyred, crucified, put in hot boiling water, beheaded. All of them except for one. And that one was outcasted to an island. He knew all this. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Believe in God. Believe also in me and my father's house. Are Many rooms if it were not so would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you and if I go I prepare a place for you and I will come again and will take you myself He's saying I am with you and You are gonna be with me in this place that I have prepared for you for eternity So in times of trouble We should be we should have a different View of it again I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it. He goes, most of us are living for the dot. And he calls a dot our lives now because really it is just a dot. It goes, our life goes in a blink of an eye, just a dot. Looking back at my boys, I, I, I was looking at some pictures the other day and I said, wow, it seems like yesterday they were babies and now one's bigger than me. And you can probably relate. You can look back and say, wow, I'm already this old It's just a dot. And C.S. Lewis says, from that dot, you got to draw a line with an arrow that keeps on going. And most of us are living for the dot. And what we should be living is for the line. We should all focus on the line. Because God tells us that this life on earth goes like this. The 70, 80, 90 years we have here is nothing compared to eternity with him. Eternity in heaven. See, I don't know of anybody who, who's been on their deathbed and says, wow, I, I hope I, I paid my mortgage. Ooh, I hope I paid my car this month. Or says, oh, how much do I have in my checking account? But I know that a lot of us, and hopefully not, will be in our deathbed with regrets. Oh, man, I should have spent more time with our family I shouldn't have spent so much time at work trying to get money and making uh, more money to buy more temporal stuff that will not last for eternity. I should have been spending my time with my family when it really matters. Most of us will be sitting in our deathbed saying, oh, I better get a pastor or a priest here quickly. My time has come. We shouldn't be that way. We should want to start getting to know Jesus today. We should want to start changing the way we live today. Knowing that how we live today will greatly, greatly impact our eternity with him. My second point on why we should have an accurate view or or what I think an accurate view of heaven will provide. is perseverance in times of trials. Perseverance in times of trials. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18 says this. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparisons. This little affliction you're going through now, this debt crisis, financial problems, marital problems, this illness. It's just so minute compare of what awaits for us in comparison of the glory of heaven. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transcendent, but the, th- the things that are unseen are eternal. When we face trials, when we say, man, my marriage is not working, but I got to endure through it because God tells me so. Because I know that when I build this great relationship here on earth, as hard as it may be, I'll have greatly rewarded in heaven. Like I said, when I'm going through this financial crisis, I can step back and say, it's okay. Because God's promises are true. And these illnesses, these crises are temporary. And I can go and persevere through them. Finally, an accurate view of heaven provides priorities in times of pressures. Priorities in times of pressure. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we start living for eternity... When we start getting a better picture of what it's going to be like, then I believe we're going to want to use our gifts that he has given us, our talents that he has given us, our finances that he has given us. Invest them into his kingdom. Not into these temporal things where they'll be wasted away. None of the things we do here today or buy here today or, or, or any material things that we have here today will have or make an impact in eternity. We should... Make an impact in eternity now. Make it a priority to not just think about ourselves, but to think about others. How can we reach our community? How can I invest, like I said, with my gifts or my talents? I'm reminded of this couple, this man who worked a lot and all he wanted to do is make money, make money, and he did, he made a lot of money. And one day they were sitting having lunch and he tells his wife, when I die, he says, I, I want you to get all my money and bury it with me. And the wife thought, well, that's kind of weird. And the husband said, no, I'm serious. I do believe that everything I work for now, I'm going to be able to use my money in eternity. The husband said, you've got to promise me. The wife says, okay, it's a promise. Several years pass, and the man dies. And during his funeral, the casket there, uh, the wife gets a shoebox, puts it in next to him. And closes the casket. Goes back to her seat. A friend sitting next to her and says, what's in the shoe box? The wife said, well, my husband promised me to bury him with all his money. And the lady says, you didn't, right? The wife said, yeah. A promise is a promise. So what I did is I got all his money. I opened up a checking account. I wrote him a check. And he's buried with it. <laughs> my point is this. A lot of us. Just live for the now, live for the day. We just want and want and want. Let's change our thinking. Let's change our perspective. Let's change our priorities. And imagine a church that would do that. Imagine what kind of church we would be. If we had a, pix- a clear picture of what heaven is like. What, what awaits for us. Imagine how we'd want to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ to others so they could experience eternity the way that he has promised eternity to be. Imagine we want to, we want to invest and that the word would be given throughout Laredo and planting more churches all over the zip codes, all over Laredo. Imagine the church that have different perspectives. Wow, what an impact that would have. Imagine a church that had more perseverance because of a clear view of heaven. That people would say, wow, I know you're, you're going through this sickness, you're going through this crisis, I know you're going through these difficulties, and look at you. You still have joy, what is it? And you would say, I have joy because I believe in what God has promised me. What an impact, what a testimony that would be to others. Imagine a church that would live for eternity, that set the priorities straight knowing that how we invest our time today impacts our lives and the lives of others for eternity man, we could be that church not saying it's easy but let's be that church that starts now that wants to get closer to our creator that wants to share the good news of our creator that wants to reach out with the gospel to Laredo let's pray father we so long to be that church we know it's not easy father we know there's a lot of obstacles and distractions father I'm the first to be distracted father I I too live for the dot father but change my heart to live for the line father live for eternity we really want to be that church father Let us believe in what you're telling us, Lord. That you have prepared a place for us that's so much better than anything we can imagine here on earth. And we so want that to be for us, Father. That we want to long for that place. Let our hearts be transformed in this series. Let lives be changed. Father, most of all, if anyone here has not put their trust in your son, that they do so. When they do, they can spend eternity with you. We ask all these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ.